0: Hey, hey welcome back everybody to the rifles only accuracy podcast your uh, podcast for all things accuracy uh, rimfire and centerfire i'm david thomas with uh, team voodoo rifles only is zero compromise uh, fenix Technologies, a few other things as always i've got uh, jacob from rifles only how's it going jacob
1: Going good, going good. Just sitting around, uh finish up the course of fire for the brawl in here in a couple of weeks and uh well actually less than oh, less yeah. than two weeks now. Two. So uh I got I got it figured out on which, which events we're doing on Friday and which events we're doing on Saturday and how many rounds it's gonna be and just different places. Got um uh I think one or two new stages awesome. for the brawl this year. So it's it's gonna be really good. I have, I have done away with the rooftops. I said, I'm, I'm, that's, that one's run its course. So yeah, anybody's coming to the brawl. you will not have to shoot off of rooftops. So we'll just see how that goes.
0: Yeah. It's always good changing up those rooftops, but we've shot them with a lot. So
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I have decided to change it up some more. So we're just, we have a, a stage to replace that and some other stuff that we're not going to talk about on the, on the podcast, but yeah, if anybody wants to come to the brawl, man, let us know. Get over here and do it.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm telling. I. I don't. I think I've said it two or three times now. I. I wish more people. I don't. Maybe it is a logistics thing. I'm not sure, but I wish more would do that open squatting. I love that.
1: Yeah, it, it does go faster. You know that. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast before, but um, that was the first time that we did it. You know, me and Lisa were in here on the looking at the whiteboard and had range officers for, you know, every stage, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Lisa said, you know, why don't we just, just go where you want to go, you know, don't squat. And, um, it was kind of weird. We, you know, we wanted, didn't know how it was going to work out. And so we'd scheduled, you know, several events. It was Lisa's idea to do the open squatting. And anyway, we'd scheduled several events and I had finished up one and, um, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, I had a, I stopped. I finished at about two o'clock with what I was doing. I had run everybody through the stage I was doing and I was getting ready to open up another stage. And, uh, Tony Bryce McCollum comes walking up. He says, Hey man, are you getting ready to open up the stage? I said, yeah. He goes, man, I've done everything. I said, let me see your sheet. So he gave me a sheet and I said, sure enough, you sure have. I said, man, you know what? Pack it up, go to the bar, go have a beer. We're, it's two 30. let's let's save some stuff for tomorrow it just it goes so much faster
0: uh yeah i i I like it and and if for anybody that hadn't done it before what you'll see is uh well you see two at least what i see i see two types of competitors you'll see some that want to immediately get on the tower first thing in the morning um you know the, the guys that are really you know not everybody but a lot of guys that are really you know pushing fighting for every point they're in the top Contention at everything they do, and it's a valid strategy. But then you see the other guys that some of them do care about their points, but they they also want to get other stuff done, and they're just speeding through it while everybody's sitting at the line at the tower. And guys are done by eleven or noon. It's it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it is pretty nice. And then you know we always have pretty good food out here. Oh, you yeah. know, So on Friday and and then Saturday we'll we'll have brisket. You know after the after the match is over and after we've done awards. Sometimes we'll do brisket before awards. Uh, it just depends on on how things are going. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, man, you can go through that thing as fast as you want. So it, it kind of works out good. Yeah. So what else we got going on? Well, uh, I wanted to visit today mm-hmm. because the uh, email lines have just blown up. Um, so I, I'm, I'm real happy about that. If, if you're just turning in or you don't know, uh, we have an email that is exclusively to this podcast, it's Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast at RiflesOnly.com. So that's R-O-A-P, Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast, R-O-A-P at RiflesOnly.com. And so whenever you can, uh, you have a question or anything else, or even like on the last podcast, we asked a question. You know, we, uh-huh. we were talking how people were doing out there with the, with the cold weather and stuff like that. And we've had some responses to that. I'm, I picked out one of the best ones that I wanted to, I wanted to do right here. Uh, I just think we'll go into the emails, if that's all right with you. That'd, yep, let's go. All right. Um, almost every winter, I'm shooting in minus 35 degrees. And two things I have found matter. One, length of pull. I have to use lots of layers so that really affects your shot, obviously. Okay, so yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. he's right about that. And it, whenever I was reading this, I thought, you know, I wonder if that's one of those things, like down here in South Texas, you know, once it gets below, you know, 40 degrees, we're we're all layered up, you know, because we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're very scared of cold weather. That's yeah, terrible. And then it, that happens in the morning, and then by the afternoon, it's 85. And so I was thinking that'd probably be good on, you know, some of the new chassis-style guns uh, and even my new Accuracy International ATX. You, know, you got that adjustable butt plate. And so you could, you know, very, very quickly shorten up your length of pull. And I thought, well, Jacob, of course, that one is is a good Mm -hmm. answer. And then the other one, he says, your outer layer makes a huge difference. I have almost a fleece like outer layer, something the butt pad can kind of stick to. If you need a slick parka to stop the wind, you can get an oversized light fleece coat to go over the top of it and get used to shooting with heavy gloves. It helps. So, it, obviously, it sounds like what he's doing if you're, if you, you know, working a hard shell, you know, to keep mm-hmm. the wind out, you know, then just puts a, like, a, like a soft shell over the top or even, you know, a, an oversized, you know, fleece overcoat, you know, just to like, kind of give you something so the rifle won't be sliding around on all that slick.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, uh, I, would, I would imagine a lot of guys that are shooting in this, you know, they're hunters and they're, they're shooting some bigger cartridges and, and it makes mm-hmm. a big difference.
1: Well, man, I appreciate the answer on that. You know, I really appreciate the answer. I appreciate people emailing in and, and, you know, getting involved with us here and we can move on to that one. Um, Okay. Here's the next one. Zero stops. Mm -hmm. What are they? How do they work? What are the pros and cons? And do you recommend their usage? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how come we haven't talked about this yet.
0: I think it's probably because they're so common now.
1: Yeah, I think I pretty much, I guess I ran into, I ran into one scope during the classes this year that did not have a zero stop Uh and everything else, everything else did. Actually, what they are is whenever you zero your gun at a hundred yards, um, you, a lot of them are automatic, Uh like the Leopold Mark five. You know, you, if you, you know, you loosen up to knobs so that you can zero out your knobs, you know, float your knobs over to zero then that zero stop is already set there and in order for in order to move Mm -hmm. it you got to push a button to make it move the uh night force one is it's a there's you pull the top lid off you know the the top turret Mm -hmm. off loosen up four screws and then that there's a top little disc that you can roll all the way clockwise and as soon as it stops you tighten up those four screws again and be careful when you're doing that the tilt value of that is uh, four inch pounds per um, but at any rate, what you can do is you, if, and then when you put your cap back on, whenever you're dialing back down, it'll actually stop at zero. However, um, there is a situation where some people may be shooting uh, braked or yeah. suppressed, or they're putting on a night vision, which causes them to get a shift or a thermal, get a little bit of a zero shift. And so sometimes what you want to do is have, be able to go below that zero stop. And so what you would do at that point Is once the four the four screws that the vertical screws are loose go all the way to the stop and then just back it up a little bit that way and then tighten up the screws again Put you know put your knob on zero that way you're actually actually able to dial below zero if you need to now the ultimate and benders the way they were you know they would go like 0.5 or Uh 0.8 below and then you and what what it's for is so one uh, you don't get lost on your knobs anymore Uh Um, Two. You know, once once you go through several, you know, if you go through a couple of rotations on there, depending on how much, you know, how much value you're getting per click, you might be two or three rotations into the scope cap, and then you can roll it all the way back down. Boom. You hit your zero stop. You know, you're back to your hundred yard zero. Uh, The other thing is too, um, you know, you're hunting, you know, you're getting it before, before light and you want to make sure that your scope's on zero. You can just dial it until you get to that zero stop. And if you adjusted it, you know, ever how much below, you can just, click that up without having to put white light on it, you know, so you're not going to give away your position, uh, hunting, uh-huh. um, uh, various, various creatures on the planet might, that might turn into a, an advantage for you, but that's, that's pretty much what zero stops are. They're, um, they're a way to stop back. So you're not dialing, you, you don't get lost on your optic anymore. How do they work? Uh, they work pretty good. Um, the pros of it or is that you're not going to get lost on your revolutions. Like a lot of the, well, we've learned this one out here. We zeroed the guns, shot all the way out to a thousand. He was into two and a half revs uh, on there. He was shooting MOA. Um, and then whenever he came back down, I said, okay, everybody put your 300-yard zero on. Let's check again. And he had actually dialed one revolution below his zero. And so I said, there you go. Now, the, the thing about it is, is normally, and I told him whenever we had done the, done the zeroing process, I said, if you look right below the turret cap, between the turret cap and the saddle of the scope, what you see is you see horizontal lines there. And as you start to rotate the, the turret, you know, going up in value, then more, once you if like, let's say you just see one line. Well, if you go all the way a full revolution, now you're probably going to see two lines. Uh, another one, you'll see three lines. So in order to go back down, you go all the way to where it's zero and you see one horizontal line between the sur- turret and the saddle. And so that is, that's pretty much how they work. Uh, the pros of them, I mean, it's it, it, it takes it's one less step. You don't have to think about it. Um, the the cons, I can't really think of a con on that other than no, I can't really think of a con. The,
0: the so, only con, and this is stretching just to make one is is anybody that needs to dial for whatever reason may need to dial more than the point five, like for zero compromise or somebody else or Schmidt or whoever. If it's a built-in right. and for whatever reason you need to dial, but there's there's other stuff like the night force with the clutch system that that's for you. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can adjust how far it goes back. Yes. Do I recommend their usage? Yes. Absolutely. Um, the, one of my favorite scopes of all time is a uh, Leupold Mark IV straight 16. Mm-hmm. And I still have that scope. I was, I used it in the competition circuit a long time ago and it's MOA with a mill dot reticle, not even a gen two mill dot, just straight mill dots. But that one, the turret is actually, it actually rotates in and out of the saddle. And so that's where I got very, very used to watching for those horizontal lines, you know, to tell me exactly where I was on my scope. That, that it, that's why the, the zero stop just takes out that one step. You ain't got to worry about it anymore.
0: Yeah, the, the only thing I would add is uh, you do see, and, and um, I don't want to discourage anybody from buying because all, all the, you got stuff like uh, Vortex Athlon and all that that, uh, that makes a wide range of uh, price, price points. Uh, when you get down mm-hmm. to some of those lower price points, um, there's a few that don't have a zero stop, um, and then there's a few steps up from that do have some shims that you can put in. I and and you can usually get up to the next tier for for not very much more money. So if mm-hmm. you're, I would always recommend, in my opinion to go on and step up to get, even if it's just to get those zero stops, because in my opinion, they're, they're that much, they're worth it. I mean, I, I wouldn't yep. run an optic without them.
1: Agreed, agreed. Yeah, they're just, they're just so convenient. And I'm lazy with my scope knobs, you know, I, I'll forget. so I Just go back until it stops and say, okay, there I am. That's yeah. why I like that Mark 5 so and, much. Uh, I can still push it in and I can dial below a little bit if I need to, if I'm you know, changing a, a suppressor level break, you know, whatever. Kind of, but I, I love the zero stop on here; it's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, and and we're focused. You know, obviously, really focused on safety around here. That's another thing, guys. Is mm-hmm. uh, you want to always do that because uh, we've we've seen it. I mean, I, I've lost count of how many times I've seen it. You're not sure where where round's going, and and it's it's flying over the top because you didn't either. You got lost or you forgot to take it down to your zero stop.
1: Yeah, well, that's how we always do that. Bow shot checklist. You know, we train it mm-hmm. in the in the PR one and twos here. And, uh, I I still catch a lot of people doing that, you know, finish up at a thousand for the day and head out to a hundred and I'll say, all right, step away from your gun. Let me take a look. They still got their thousand yard dope on. It's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. If you shoot right now, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to go over the berm. We're not going to be able to, uh, to see where that round went. I can't accommodate for that round. So, um, we, that's why we need to That zero stop just makes it easier. You oh, just yeah. crank it down, make it part make it part of your life. You know, that's just something, go back down to your zero stop. Boom. You're ready for a hundred yards again. Every time you approach your gun after you've been away from it, um, uh, for a day, a week overnight, or you just stepped away to go get some water and go to the restroom you should dial it back down to zero. It should be part of your, Part of your, your deal that way, every time you approach your gun is in exactly the same condition that reduce the power on your, on your optic, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've been working up at 14 power or something, bring it back down to that lower power. And the reason for that is, you know, whether you're hunting and no matter what kind of animal you are hunting, uh, you never know when, you know, you'll have to make a shot that's really close. Um, and so, you know, that if you open up that field of view, just one more thing, uh, you know, get back down the power to open up that field of view.
0: Yeah. I've, I've put the, uh, going down to the zero stop in my post pre and post. So I'll do it. The first thing I do, well the, if I'm at a match and the the rifles on a prop, uh, I drop the mag, um, make sure it's clear. And then the absolute, before I even pick it up off the bag, the prop or whatever, it goes back to zero. But also, uh, as I'm setting up for a stage, I, I even turn it off the zero and back to the zero just to make sure I'm absolutely on zero for my first dial. Like it's in both of my checklists.
1: Yeah. And that's good. You know, we, we, uh, we've been teaching the three shot checklist down here for a long, long time. And yeah. it's, uh, it, it was, the, you know, just a mistake. You know, how many times have we shot the rifle with the you know, wrong dope, you know, we're shot at the target with the wrong dope on the rifle, you know, and everybody raised their hands every time I asked yeah. that question. And it's just, it's, it's just uh laziness on our part. So we need to, you know, put something into our, our protocol to where we don't get that laziness and it doesn't cost us points or cost us a miss that, you know, we really don't uh-huh. want to have. Yep. Yeah. What's next? All right.
0: Hang on just a second. Unless we want to talk about it. I think we've got you. zero stop taking care of though.
1: I think so too. All right. Are there any hydration and or dietary nutritional items that would help a competitor in an all day match that you guys have used or recommend certain foods or drinks to help you stay focused in a hundred degree or 30 degree weather? Personally, I need to eat something. There it is. Um, what yep. kind of snacks do you carry along?
0: Well, I guess this is actually part of, uh, especially in the summer here, this is actually part of my job because I'm always mm-hmm. outside and, and in the heat, um, especially down here in South Texas. I look at, I keep a minimum of, uh, let's see, for hydration, one, water. I mean, obviously water. And uh, I look at it to, at work and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going to use about a liter Per mile or so, or, or sometimes more, yeah. just depends. But that's how I plan it out. If it's if you know you're going to go on something like a, a, a go ruck or a, a, what do you call it, a, a, you know, mammoth or something like that, or even you know sometimes at rifles only, if you can kind of estimate how much you're probably going to walk, I allow for about a liter per uh, mile. And you got to keep in mind mm-hmm. round trip too. If we're talking like field tactics, so if I carry three liters on my camelback and it and I and that's what I go through in the summer. That's three miles round trip, so right again, not sure one you, way. Yeah, not one way because that'll get you. I've I've been on the wrong side of that too. You're you're one way. You're tired and you got to get back out and there's no roads. Um, the other thing, and and again during the winter you may not need as much, but uh, that's what I always plan for. Uh, as far as uh, like electrolyte stuff like that, you got a couple options. Um, you know, you got like uh, different powders, but they, um, one stuff we use like squincher. It's just a little tube of powder that you can um, put in your uh, water or whatnot. You can, and mm-hmm. I do it all the time. You can just keep those on you You when it's time that you need. you Obviously, you want to be doing it before you need it, but you can just take it just like you would a BC powder or anything, um, put it in your mouth and drink the, you know, drink the water right behind it. And that's going to get the whole thing in there fast. You're not going to be spreading it out through your. Your water. So, if you're in a place where you really are taking it serious and you don't want to be sipping on it all day or you, you want to get it in there, I just, I, it's, you know, it looks like a little, um, oh, what do they call those? Uh, it's little splenda packs, like the long splenda ones that you get there, mm-hmm. but like that. And you can buy them. I'm sure yep. they make them for different uh, different brands, do it, but you can just drop that powder. I do it sometimes. We run across people that are in bad shape. Um, we'll just make them, you know, pretty much eat the powder or put it in their powder and, and drink water right behind it. Food? Nah, yep. there's there's a million different energy bars. Um, I don't want to uh, out anybody specifically, but if you're a uh, reach out to, to us, if you're, if you're somebody that's like diabetic or something like that, we can put you in touch with some shooters that, that do that, that might be able to help you out on what they want to do there. I won't put their names out in case they um, don't want it. You know, there's there's shooters out there that are, have different uh, like diabetic stuff. If if your special needs for that, other than that, it's uh, just uh, keep munching. Same thing they teach you. If you're doing a lot of rucks and all that, you know, keep uh keep eating. Uh, if you're into uh, I don't mind most MREs, but you can buy MREs. Take those peanut butter packs, the cheese packs, the jelly, all of it. And just, you know, while you're walking, just just keep moving. Keep putting food in your mouth.
1: Yeah. I got a couple of things on that, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the, we, we always, you know, we're, whenever we're doing classes out here, um, you know, we always keep, you know, a water can yeah. in the back of the, of the range vehicle, you know, we tell, Hey, just bring your water bottle and do that. But one of the things that, that, uh, yeah. And by the time you're thirsty, it's already too late. Yes. You know what I mean? It, by the time you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. And that water, as soon as you put it in, it's going to take a while for it to get through your system. So, I mean, it's not immediate. It builds immediate, but it's not. Um, you know, you get muscle fatigue and all kinds of Mm -hmm. stuff, especially in your upper thighs is where it happens if you're walking quite a bit, For sure. but, um, one of the units that came in for training, they, uh, they turned us on to this thing called drip drop Mm -hmm. and the drip drop it's available at Amazon. We order that shit by the case and it just, you just goes into a regular water bottle you shake it up; the flavor is is there, but it's almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. And that stuff is really, really good. You know, to be rehydrated, you know, to get all the electrolytes back that you need and everything else. I'm not a huge fan of Gatorade unless it's cut with water, like fifty-fifty. Yeah, um, yeah. But this drip drop is is a really good product. Like I say, it's available at Amazon. You can order it in, deliver it right to your door. Uh, but that's um, that's a that's a pretty good thing. It's called, like I say, it's called drip drop as far as eating, um, the trail mix is pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be, you know, have something that like what you say, just, you know, put something in your mouth and the MREs are all right, but you've also got those mountain home dehydrated meals and yes. stuff like that, that you can use that, you know, whenever you're going to, you know, have a, if you're going to be out and you're, you know, you're going to start at six in the morning, you're not coming back until after dark, you're going to need some sustenance out there, you know, take a break. One of the things that I've done on a hunting trip, I did it, especially uh, on one, I remember out in Del Rio. Is we took a half a loaf of bread in the ruck, and then uh, summer sausage, and then just sliced the summer sausage, ate it with the bread, got the carbs, you know, got that that processed meat with all of us, and it was extremely good for us. Ha, Don't do it every day, <laughs> but it was a way to you know really get your belly full with not, and it didn't make me you know too uh, sluggish with those carbs, you know, because we were still moving quite a bit. And again, none of that, you know, none of that, you know, for snacks or anything else is going to do you any good unless you have water. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you got to have that water. Get yeah. those electrolytes yeah. going again.
0: Yeah. And the only other, the two things that I forgot to add was, uh, so some people, because uh, like, just like me, um, I am, I'm self-admitted a, a sugar addict and, and I'm so used to not mm. drinking water because be sodas everywhere you look, Gatorades everywhere you look. So mm. some people... Uh, I trick myself like uh, uh, it's a I forget what it's called, but you can get a million different things. But there's actually this uh, deal that you can hook on the hose to your um, to your Camelback and it has a cartridge in there that flavors your your water through the tube. Uh, it doesn't have any it's oh, just really? a flavor thing. And some of it is a uh, um, sometime you can get electrolyte stuff, too, anyway. But I drink more just because I'm so used to having a, a different taste than water. So I will trick right. myself with that. To where, since it's got the flavor, I'm just continually drinking it. So, if you find yourself, for whatever reason, for bad habits like me, and, you, and you're, um, you're craving something that doesn't taste like, or, you know, has actually has more taste to it, then get you one of those. Like I said, it's a pretty cool thing. I'll see if I can find it and put a link in the, um, the description for this podcast. But it, it hooks, it's a little machine, not, not machine, but it's a little filter that you hook to your hose. And uh, it's okay. pretty cool. You just get drop another cartridge in there. The other thing I was going to say is I use kind of the same thing like at work. The, also, by the way, one liter per mile is for the really hot months down here when, you know, it's 110. It'll probably mm-hmm. get you three liters. will get you a lot further when it's not that hot or, or it's cooler out. But I try, especially in the summer, uh, most of the matches, they'll either have, like you said, uh, water in the wagons or they'll have the bottle water. I'll make myself mm-hmm. drink a 12 ounce bottle of water at every single stage. Like, and, and, you know, it's yep. the whole, uh, if you've been in the military or anything, they make it empty the canteen or, you know, hold the canteen over your head. If you have to mm-hmm. take that uh, bottle of water, make yourself drink it, hold it over your head and dump it on, you know, <laughs> dump it on yourself yep. if there's anything left. So
1: Yeah. That's all sorts of hot weather techniques. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That works too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right uh wondering what either of you use for a dry fire regimen do you have a set time or number of reps for a session do you simulate wind holes or just practice on wobble zone and trigger press
0: that is a good one One.
1: i know what i do what do you do all right
0: well early on i did have more of a regimen now that i i know myself um i'll just pick it up i have uh, some of the troys that we had on not long ago i've got them stuck on the wall so mm-hmm. i'll uh, uh well a few things i'll do um I, i'll actually uh if i'm not like right now I don't, I don't have it going uh because you'd be able to hear with this microphone you'd be able to hear the, the clicks in the background but i may not have the rifle shouldered but while i'm doing other things watching tv or whatever i'm actually uh making trigger presses i'll just run the bolt and make a trigger press just getting used to just a straight 90 degree and a trigger, you know, press, break and freeze. And it just, it just keeps, you know, I'm not even looking through the optic. I think it was like you were talking about Lisa with the, w- with the pistol. I just dry yeah. fire it just like that. And uh, that way I don't want to ever have to really think about that consciously unless I'm really stressed out. Uh, my finger just, uh, I don't want to ever have a problem with a, a, a trigger tap or bounce off of the trigger or anything. So I do that. If not, I'm using Troy's thing on the wall and I know myself pretty well. I'll just do, um, uh, I'll just do it until I feel like, you know, you learn yourself. I know when I'm getting bored or getting tired and, and I'll start uh, and be like, all right, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if I go to the range, uh, then yeah, I'll, I'll make some sort of regiment, uh, for doing, you know, X amount of dry fires per X amount of, um, you know, three to one or so, uh, per live round. And that I'm really glad they brought up the wind question because Mm -hmm. it's a slight segue. Uh, You know, uh, most people out there are holding wind. And if you've never, if you never practice your natural point of aim anywhere, but the center of the crosshair, a lot of times, especially under stress, you're going to start defaulting to that. And your natural point aim is going to be messed up. So yes, you should absolutely, in my opinion, be, Uh, training with uh, wind holds, even if you just have to make it up, Hey, I'm going to hold out a one and a half for this uh, on this dry fire. I'm going to keep using my one and a half mil mark, my 1.2, my 1.4. Yeah, you should be training that and, 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 and any bad habits. Cause I, a lot of times when I talk to people and they're, they're like, I'm missing where my shot's going. I find out that, yeah, they're holding one and a half mils, but as soon as they pull the trigger, they're jerking the rifle back to the center of the mm-hmm. crosshair and that's when they're missing their trace or they're or spotting their shot or, or whatnot but yeah that that's what i got i don't really have too much of a regiment anymore but when you start out and you don't know yourself then i think yeah you probably want a regiment until you get you know used to it
1: i don't know no, i've been doing a lot of dry firing lately. coming up this course of fire i, I shot it all dry and i mm-hmm. shot it all live and so i think that you know i would i, I on my dry fire i kind of put up a you know, a stage or a scenario that mm-hmm. I'm going to work through, you know, like a, a couple shots here, a movement, a couple more shots, a movement. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I won't spend that time because, you know, I'm not under the clock and I'm by myself. And so if I see too much wobble, then I'll kind of adjust my position, you know, to where I could get my natural point of aim, right. I just want my wobble, you know, I just want my wobble to be equidistant. and I want to have equal error on all the, well, every direction from where I want the bullet to go. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so if I'm running through that in my head, you know, I'll do that. And I do that, uh, you know, shooting off. I think it helps because I dry fire on the mover quite a bit. Uh-huh. And so it kind of gets you used to holding, not in the center, Right. you know, and that's uh, a good point. Uh, yeah. And it's very, very unfortunate that, you know, not, not every range, you know, has a moving target, you know, that they can go and, and, uh, hardly anybody has one in their backyard where I can just go out and turn that bitch on and, you know, dry fire <laughs> on it. Um, and a lot of, that's been, that's been pretty good with, you know, the ammo shortage and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh, dry fire is really good <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of one of those things that, you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't try to limit myself to it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? A lot of times I'll, I'll pick up my rifle to look at something. Um, you know, that cow looks like she's getting ready to have a baby, you know, so I'll pick up my rifle, look through the scope and I'll dry fire on her a little bit. You know what I mean? Since I already got the rifle up. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, obviously dry fire is just super important. Um, uh, you brought up a good point. That's a good thing to, to say, uh, if you're just, if you're obviously if you're just starting out, then the most important thing is to really work on, um, building those positions solid, getting uh wobble down, getting the equal wobble. And then once you're getting into that, then, uh, for anybody in the intermediate or on, uh, even when you're dry fire clock, Use a clock. You want to inoculate yourself to that. uh, That whole time starts now. Uh, What do I do? You want to be completely inoculated to that, and dry fire is one way to do it. If you're always on the clock, I I promise you. If you're unless you have some issues, which you know, self imposed stress, and that's another thing to work on mentally. But I promise you, if you're always putting yourself on a clock, when you get to the match and they say time starts now, it, it won't. It'll literally won't matter once you're used to it.
1: Yep. Yep. Very cool. All right, uh, this one in the beginning, he wants to hear from uh, Lapua or Eli and talk about their lot testing uh, on the rimfire for for rimfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and I already spoke before we started uh, taping that you were going to we're going to reach, reach out and try to get the, yeah. yeah, try to get some of that done. But the second part of it was bipods, mm-hmm. features of some of the most common what you're using right now, which one you would buy today based off your three price points low money, medium money, or unlimited budget. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So you want to take that one? Sure. That's a, that's a really good one. Um,
0: I guess uh, first I'll just cover uh, medium or or, uh, um, you have your, your very low priced ones. Uh, For me, I would, uh, unless you, if you absolutely, I'm not going to tell anybody what your financial situation is. If you absolutely can't afford it, uh, uh harris then yeah you can go grab some of those caldwell or other things that you see on um uh, amazon however i wouldn't uh i don't uh, we love casey over at uh atlas bipod so I, i'm never going to say buy any knockoffs i don't like that but there's caldwell and other stuff american companies that you can get a pretty very or magpul magpul makes a really nice for the money um bipod so if you if you need to go on that that the lowest price point i'd look at magpul possibly caldwell but really at magpul um, but for this topic, I'll say like the Harris is for a while there, the Harris was the gold standard. I mean, if you had a Harris, you were great. Um, we've moved on a little bit from there, but the, the Harris, uh, you want to be able to get one that you can adjust your cant, and they're, you know, comparatively speaking, they're very affordable. So that would be my, my, uh, lower end cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my mid end would be some of the, uh, the the cheaper i say cheaper but price-wise cheaper uh, atlas the, the those will be my mid end and they can go up in price to the atlas and then your higher end kind of the high end of the mid will be a, a t-back bipod and then you get into your pretty you know you start getting into your more expensive which are your sky pods uh you can get the standard one then you get the double leg the triple leg um I recommend if, if uh, like I said, uh, Harris. If 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 that's your price point, and they also work really well for PRS stuff because they're very quick to deploy. Um, for a lot of PRS things, uh, the mid end, I would say the 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 Thunder Beast. It's basically a, a, a better Harris, a better mousetrap on that one. It's very fast. It's very stable, and uh, for PRS. And then you also have if your if speed is not uh, they're still very fast to deploy, but I like the Atlas Cal, um, which I'm, I've actually got one coming from uh, from them. It'll be here this week, another Cal. And that one, uh, it's a little bit slower than the Thunder Beast. But if you find yourself, once you get used to it, either you're shooting matches or you're shooting not matches uh, that uh, you don't require like a really, really fast bipod, it's still very fast, the, uh, the, the Atlas stuff. Um, so that's what I'm – because, I mean, you, it's almost – I'm not sure if you could for stability purposes – I don't think you can beat the atlas uh line then you step up into your your skypods in my personal opinion those are i would use those for field matches stuff where maybe not too many props flat surfaces where you may have to shoot above grass um and you can also get extended legs for the the cow or uh stuff or you can get taller harrises but uh if you're shooting if you're if you're you might be packing across country uh you know uh um, hunting various different animals, uh, two-legged, four-legged, those, uh, those skypods, uh, depending on which one you get, I mean, even with like those triple pull, you can actually take a triple pull sky pod and use it in the front and then use a table or a bag on your, your tripod. And you basically are shooting prone, like a bench style prone three feet off of the ground, you know, over top of high grass. Uh, I personally don't use the SkyPod for most of the match type stuff I use. It's got a, just by a byproduct of being, having all that adjustment is it has a bit more movement in it when it's all collapsed and you're shooting prone. I don't, I have sky pods, but I keep them kind of in the safe until I'm going to, until I think I'm going to need something like a field match or really uneven terrain. Uh, so that, that's my thing on the, the price point. You got Harris, um, which is great at a lower than you have your, your atlas uh, different various uh, atlas price points you have your tea back and then you jump up into the sky pod area and then uh, elite irons up there in price and that's another you can check those out a little bit specialty stuff as far as the uh, the major things uh, about it you have uh, in my opinion absolutely minimum is you need to be able to adjust your cant um, You know, uneven surfaces, and you got to be able to, to work that cant out of the rifle. Otherwise, you'll be trying to shim it up with dirt, rocks, or whatever you can find. Uh, There is a, you know, some of them pan. Um, I don't really have a, a need for the pan as much because I can just scoot the, the bipod and hop it around pretty well. And, and I don't, I, I end up always having my, um, unless I lock it out really good, I always have my pan kind of twisted around. And I have to keep adjusting it w- between stages or hunts or whatnot so i personally don't uh i'll either lock the pan out or i'll get like i said the Axless cow is uh uh only has the can't it doesn't have the pan so those are the really those are the two major features the pan and the can't uh, on your preference or needs and then you go into your specialty bipods like your skypods which they have almost infinite adjustability and uh, height that's kind of what I got on that. I think I said a lot
1: in a little bit of time, but that, that's what I got. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to shut up, man. Yeah, it was a,
0: it's a dude, bipod. There's a lot of bipod. This ain't like it was 15 years ago.
1: No, it's not. You know, that's a, that everybody's used with. You know, the Harris, you know, at, at that time, um, you know, the, the one step up, you know, from the, the Harris, you know, it was when you know the Atlas came out. And, mm-hmm. you know, this great bipod, you know, and I'm, I've run the T-back. I have not run the Skypod yet, but I've, mm-hmm. I have run the T-back the the Atlas and the Harris and actually I have rifles with each of those mm-hmm. on there um, the um, the Atlas is just you know it's it's a man the C D I factor on that one is really high you know that and the T back you know this is it's really cool um, the I, I like the company you know it's American yeah. made uh, you, you know and Casey Belts is also he's a he's a sponsor of the match next weekend oh, He and, sponsors uh, everything. Know, he, <laughs> Yeah. He sponsors everything and he's sponsoring the food and all that. And so it's just like really good. And then, you know, Thunderbeast again, um, I've, I've ran their bipods. I like, I like their quick detect feet, where I can run rubber mm-hmm. or I can run, you know, spikes. I can just change those out really, really quick with my eyes closed. Uh, another sponsor of the, of the brawl is <laughs> Thunderbeast. So uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where I go. I, I just don't have any experience with the, with a the SkyPod. There was a student who had one in, the other day the three-legged mm-hmm. and uh i never i never got a chance all week i kept saying man i need to try that bipod but i looked at it and I, I played with it a little bit i didn't see anything wrong with it i no. think with you when everything is collapsed it does probably have a little bit of rattle rattle to it but for the most part if you're loading up you're not really going to worry about that anyway no that's um, just a personal preference but yeah yeah but i mean all of them all of them you know really good i've got uh, i've been i've been using Several different kinds of of the atlas, and you know, it's it's just it's really good stuff. I mean, hard to go wrong with them, really.
0: Yeah, you can't really. Uh, the only time you're going to go wrong is, is you start you start buying the knockoffs. You know, the overseas knockoffs. That that's where you're going to go wrong. Yeah. Things are going to fall apart.
1: Yeah, they will. And, and I've seen them fall apart. You know, and uh, and again the uh, the uh, Magpul bipod that's a good is one. is a really good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. I mean, I've got I have one of those here. I have not put it on a rifle yet. But I have one of those here. Uh, another, another sponsor of the ball. Hell, everybody, we, we just use all of their stuff. <laughs> so yeah, stuff I, I could man. just yeah, yeah. They sure do, and it and Magpul is is so good to the industry, and and they have been for years and years. So it's been really cool. But yeah, that's the thing. Um, it, it, as long as you're not going off, and you know these guys, I know like you know Casey and then Thunderbeach. You know these these guys. They put a lot of work into having these things to be exactly right. And you know, if you just go buy a knockoff, it's kind of a slap in their face. And I, I don't really like that.
0: Yeah. Much. Yeah. They, uh, with the Cal, um, he, he, he came out with it and, um, there was a, not an issue per se, but some guys didn't necessarily like it went from pretty much kind of loose to locked. And mm-hmm. instead of just working on it and continue selling it, he stopped, you know, selling them. And then he, he, he came out with a gen two immediately and then if mm-hmm. you still had a Gen 1, you could send it in and, and just for postage, they would repair it. Like, so, you know, Casey and the same thing with Thunderbeast. any any of these guys, they are, they are, are, you know, the customer over the profit.
1: They are, they're just, oh, yeah. they're awesome. For sure. For sure. And the way they support the community is, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Well, um, I know that I spoke to you about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think I sent you a text and said, hey, I got, I got really, really big news. Yeah. Yeah, it is, uh, and I wanted to I wanted to bring this up on the podcast because I I know that we're going to have a a guest on our next one, but I wanted to let everyone know who the guest is going to be and give them a chance to kind of look him up a little bit for themselves in case they're not familiar with who he is. Um, but I was introduced to a gentleman named William Gimeno, Jimeno, J I M E N O. So I'll say his name several more times throughout this. So. If you guys are out there listening, get a pen and write that down and look it up. But of uh, in September 11th, 2001, whenever the towers got hit, uh, he was a first responder. You know, it was a Port, port Authority police and worked on the Jersey side as well as the New York side, and he actually went in to try to conduct uh, rescues. At any rate, him and his guys he was with, they got crushed. Uh, they were underneath just rubble from the building. And uh, that day there were, uh, 20 people that were rescued Mm -hmm. and he was number 18 and John McLaughlin was number 19. I don't know who 20 was, but at any rate, um, there was a movie made about this Mm -hmm. and that movie is called world trade center and it was done, um, by Oliver Stone Mm -hmm. and it is the movie starred Nicholas, Nicholas Cage. It was released back in 1986. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2006. Yeah, I, remember I don't that. know why I said 86. Yeah. yeah. 2006, uh, Nicholas Cage. It had, um, uh, let's see, Michael Pena. Um, Maria Bello was in it. Mm. Uh, wow. anyway, so at any rate, uh, yeah, Maria Bello was in it also. Anyway, I remember seeing the movie and, you know, I remember, wow, what a great story. I never thought, I never thought that I would be able to pick up the phone and call and have this guy answer because this movie is all about him and you know what what happened when with this certain team of first responders um at any rate i was introduced to this guy and i was given his phone number said he wants to come on the podcast and i i (laughs) i was i jumped at the chance i jumped at the chance to just you know call this guy and hear a story so we had a conversation yesterday Mm -hmm. and i tell you this is one of the most powerful personalities that I have ever run across. I mean, I got chills whenever he was telling me, of you know, step by step of things that happened that day. You know, they were trapped under, under that rubble for 16 or 19 hours. I forget what he said, Yeah, it was but a long um, time. it was a long time, you know, rebar stuck through his leg and all kinds of crap like that. But at any rate, he's not been, he's not been sitting on his laurel since then. You know, he, he went through, you know, you go through a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, physical rehabilitation and, for that. And not only that, some mental rehabilitation. And that's kind of what he's working on now. He's written two books since then. Um, and one of them's a children's book. Uh, he actually immigrated from Columbia whenever he was around two. Mm -hmm. uh, he was in the military. He got out of the military, joined the port authority police. And that day he was actually a rookie on there. He hadn't been on the force that long. And, uh, I just, I was watching some of the trailers and, you know, I said, Hey, we're supposed to go in this, here comes, here comes Will. He says, I'll go. You know, he's like, yeah, he's ready to go do this. Anyway, since then, uh, he's been, like I said, writing books. I think he has another one that's coming out soon. We'll have to ask him about that, but he also, uh, does talks, uh, around the country for people with P- PTSD. Oh, I'd imagine his um, is through the roof. <laughs> it is through the roof. And, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, it was just, um, it was just an amazing conversation it was an amazing conversation and it, uh, there were, like I said, I got chills whenever here's a guy who was actually there. Most of us see that, you know, I'm sure somebody out there who's listening was may have been in New York that day, but you know, I I was in the pickup truck listening to the news, you know, and then I went straight and turned on the TV, you know, I, you know, when shuttle disaster, you know, 9-11, yep. we all remember, all remember exactly remember, yep. where we were. Yeah. I was in and, um, Yeah. And so we remember exactly where we were. And it's, just, it's like, you know, that there were showing scenes, you know, on the TV screen that this guy I talked to yesterday, he was there, you know, he was underneath that building and it it was just, it was an amazing, an amazing conversation. What a, an extreme Patriot. Um, and just a a gentleman that, I mean, I, I can't, I've got a list of questions for him. That's crazy, but I wanted to put this out here and let people know that Will Jimeno is going to be on our next podcast. And please, if you have questions, what I would say in the beginning is go and just Google it. Will he, him and him. He's got a Wikipedia it's page. Come, it's awesome. Yeah, he's got a Wikipedia page. I mean, and then, and then they'll talk about the movie. And a lot of us saw it back in, in 2006, obviously. But, we you know, 2006 is a while back. You might want to just go and look at the trailer. That's what I did. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. But just his story and, and you know, it's Oliver Stone, I don't know, you know, he, of course, they're friends now. He consulted on the movie and everything else. But Oliver Stone's a veteran. And so, uh, for him to put his movie making skills about this story, you know, that, and, and the movie was good. And so, you know, automatically that there was an actual, you know, this is something very, very special, not only, not only just to hear his story, but also to hear what he's been doing since then. And I'll tell you it, whenever I picked up the phone with him, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Jacob Lynham. Um, I wanted to do, you know, get you on the podcast. I understand that you're interested in coming on. And it was like, that was, that was it. And then it was like we had been friends forever. You know, it's like just one of those personalities that, I mean, such a a humble, a humble man that has an an extremely strong story to tell and is out there helping people on doing this now. Um, And so please send in questions for him. Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. R O A P at riflesonly com. Send in those questions and and go and look him up on the internet and kind of refresh your memory on that. I know a lot of maybe some of the I know some of the people who are listening to this are too young to. I was gonna say yeah, for some of you guys, they <laughs> yeah. were,
0: they actually uh, back in two thousand one, some some things happened. They,
1: yeah, yeah, they, uh, they 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 weren't a lot of the people listening to this weren't even born yet, which is I think I think why it's so important. Oh that, yeah, you know they to tune into the next one and yeah and and get this guy's story and, and it's not you know this is not. You know, Oliver Stone's known for the conspiracy theories, you know, JFK and all that. Uh-huh. This is not that, you know, this is a story. No, this, is this is a story of, you know, the, the you know, strength of the human spirit. And so, like I said, this guy's going to be on here. I know for a fact that it will not be long and he's going to be on Rogan's podcast. And I just want everyone to know that I'm going to say we had him on our Rifles only activist podcast first yeah
0: i have known i've been through some tough things in my life i've known some people that have been through even tougher i this will be the first time i've, I've <laughs> been able to talk to a guy that had a skyscraper fall on him and and yeah. walked away from it you know that's yep. crazy
1: yeah close to 3000 people died that day you know and yeah, it was that's just nuts uh, yeah and then you know everything that happened you know with you know bush being president and everything that was put into motion there you know, uh, we look back now, uh, everybody, everybody knows a veteran, you know, from our last, you know, two Mm -hmm. decades of war. Well, they say that's where it started. Actually, it started in 93, but that's where they actually made a really big hit. And so this is, you know, the, the things that had gone on in Afghanistan and, and, um, and the, the trials that, you know, our guys have been through and triumphs. And (laughs) it's just, uh, it's just an amazing thing. Fortunately, when my job, I get to work with a lot of these guys, but, this this was the this was the catalyst that started it. Oh, this and, shaped
0: um, uh, everything that we're doing now. Uh, mm-hmm, I mean, absolutely, especially for guys your age and and my age and um, older, or a little bit younger than us. Um, it, it that the last twenty years that's what kicked it off, but that's what shaped everything that we do our whole lives.
1: Uh, America, America was changed. Yeah. America was changed on that on that Tuesday morning. America was changed forever, and it'll. America will never be what it was before mm-hmm. then, you know, just, just 24 hours previous America was a completely different place, you know, and, and a lot of people have grown up in this new America and uh, you know, some of us remember what it was like and it was different, you know, it was different yeah, and in a lot of ways. That day. Yeah. It was a switch that just changed the whole direction that our nation is headed and, and everything from everything from entertainment to uh, business, you know, to lifestyle, I mean, it's like we've got, you know, all these guys out here now, you know, and girls, you know, that have have gone in and and went into the military because of that. You know what I mean? And then we had some people that were fighting that they weren't even alive when when September 11th happened. And so it's I think it's real important that if nothing else, man, if nothing else, just what is something that you would want to know? Maybe it's not a question. Maybe it would just be something that you wanted to talk about anything like that. But I will tell you this that was one of the most yesterday whenever i spoke to him it was one of the most moving conversations that i've ever had in my life i mean it was it was just incredible and for him to be willing to come on to our oh, yeah. humble little podcast is i'm i'm over the moon happy about it and oh, so uh, again yep <laughs> again go you guy really. i mean it
0: really is. yeah,
1: yeah exactly exactly pretty much the, the same kind of the same kind of thing that just changes the trajectory of an entire nation of an entire world actually mm-hmm. and so it, this is this is one of the guys who was actually there. You know, he was one of the first responders at nine eleven, and it's it's uh, like I I, I I don't have the words to express it. You know, the the conversation and how it made me feel, but I know that a lot of people will get that exact same feeling, especially if they you know were had watching that happen on TV so many years ago.
0: Oh yeah, I, I like I said, I know where I was at, and and it changed my entire trajectory on uh, my career, you know, military and law enforcement, uh, you were thinking you were going to do one thing. And then uh, as soon as that happened, you're doing something completely different.
1: It's, it's oh, for sure. I yeah, mean, it, yeah. it, it's just insane. And so very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, that's, that's we'll coming up. on next I'm one. Sure,
0: I'm sure that's going to be a long. We'll stay here as long as we need with that guy.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So coming up, um, we've got our classes here in Texas. We've got uh, Colorado coming up in June. Uh, August and September we'll be in uh, Minnesota as well as Michigan uh, doing all sorts of different classes, everything from field craft to 22 to center fire, all that kind of stuff. So look at the rifles only website. Um, if y'all want to, if y'all want to participate or come see us out in any of those places, we're going to be local to them. Um, another thing that I want to go over since we're right here at brawl time is I wanted to cover some more of the, the brawl sponsors. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, the less, the list is, uh very, very good. Um, primary arms, proof research, XLR Industries, Fix It Sticks, Vortex and B and T Industries, Crescent Customs, JC Steel and Jake Jake vibricks actually mm-hmm. coming to the match. Oh good. Uh Bartland Barrels. Uh D Vectronics. Uh you know your your Terrapin and, and uh PLRF la- laser rangefinders. Magpole again, uh Defiance Machines, Manor Stock, True North Raven, uh some some uh nylon gear is on the out. table. Yep. No, no. Buck's not going to be here. He's not going to be here, but he did. He did send stuff. uh, His company, True North Raven, did send stuff uh, as well as Armageddon gear. I'm trying to talk Tom into coming down. He's kind of, I don't know if I'll be able to, but I think maybe I can guilt him into it. But Armageddon gear. We'll let let him use a Uno bag. Telling yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, if you, if he wants to come down, but he's, he's always, always sponsored, you know, our brawl, you know, it, it's always, you, mm-hmm. we know we can always count on him. Uh, Accuracy International North America, doing another rifle. Uh, Bushnell, Gray Ops, uh, Leopold, MDT, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Thunder Beast again, is going to be here um, sponsoring, they always do. But that, that's just one of those things like you and I had we talked about several different products, you know, today mm-hmm. that we use. All and of it's them. like everybody's on the list of sponsors, you know, that's that's the stuff that we use, like, you know, Actors International, in North America, the Leupold, everything else. So if y'all have something that y'all need to get, I, I, man, really, really need to reach out to those companies first. And so... That's, that's what I've got for today brother how about you
0: uh, that's about it I'm gonna I'm gonna win you some brownie points uh talk about something we don't really talk about uh everybody when you come out to the brawl stop by and say thanks to Lisa she does a ton of this work behind the scenes so I mean <laughs> she she gets
1: a lot of work done over there man oh um, uh, man she she runs this place you know she does all the work I'm just fortunately I'm just fortunate that she keeps me as an employee you know like, people say oh well you know Jacob did this Jacob did that well uh, no, not really. <laughs> and if I did, I certainly didn't do it without her help. Yeah. So you're right on that.
0: Yeah. Stick your head in the office if you're by, cause that's where she ends up hanging out a lot is in the office. Stick uh say thanks or say hi. And, um, cause she's the boss, man.
1: No question about that at all. No question about that at all. Well, cool. Well, listen, y'all get in, y'all get in your, um, your questions for Will Amino. Uh, like I say, he's going to be on the podcast the next time. And so I want to, I want to have that, that email blow up with questions or comments or, or anything, uh, anything that you just might want to say to him. I know, I know I had a lot of gratitude, uh, mm-hmm. not only for, you know, what he did that day, but also what he's done since then. He's helped out, you know, so many people since then. Uh, we, we talked about some, he had a few stories of, you know, some people that he was really able to, to help just by, you know, giving them, you know, good advice on, on life and staying true and staying strong. But, um, yeah, it, like I said, it doesn't have to be a question. If there's just something that you want him to know that you're thinking, um, please, please email it over roap at riflesonly.com
0: Yeah, I can't wait. That's going to be a great one. So, but well, that's it all is. I got.
1: It is. That's all I got too. I guess we can get that rock music going and and guys get on your get on your computers, look that up, look up, look uh, up the World Trade Center movie, look up Will Amina, and uh, we're going to talk to him. All right.